Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results. Made just for us. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip to the professional-grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girlbomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb, available at Walgreens. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric. Cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I'm the pastor of Elevation Church, and this is our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so we can get you these new sermons every week. I hope you're blessed today. Right now online, if you're joining us as a part of our eFam, put in the chat where you're joining us from. We have been in a flow in the church, and God has been speaking to us the last few weeks. Well, he's been speaking to me. And I learned a long time ago just to stay in the flow with the Holy Spirit and as long as he would. And so I'm going to stay in the same flow that I've been in the last uh, few weeks and continue with the scripture that I love in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. And I'm going to pick up in verse 8. I want you to go back and read the whole chapter when you get home, but I'm going to pick up in verse 8 today for the sake of time and give you this. We have an instruction and a promise. And first comes the instruction in verse 8, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And this is the verse that I want us to really think about today. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, 
will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Isn't that good? Let's read it again, that verse. And the God of all grace. The first week we talked about the God of also, and then we talked about the God of again, and we talked about last week the God of already. I'm still not over that message. I'm still not over that message. But today I thought we would talk from verse 10 in 1 Peter where he said, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Can you guess my subject for today? And the God of… Not that. We could do that too, but a little bit, little bit later. Who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you. I want to talk about the God of after. The God of after. Would you join me in praying again? Father, I thank you for each precious person that you brought under the covering of your word today. In your shadow, most high, we find refuge and strength and safety. I pray that this could be a place of safety, a place of strength for everybody who needs your voice today in a specific way in their life. Hit the target. Holy Spirit, I offer you all of me, and I ask that you would make up the difference. What they need and what I know, there's a really, really wide chasm between the two, but not for you. You can speak to the exact thing that they need, and I trust that you will and that you already are. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The God of after. You ever had a delayed reaction where you got the joke, but it was like too late to laugh without kind of looking kind of bad? Or you get the perfect comeback for somebody, but it's like three and a half hours later, and you can't exactly meet up with them and do it again? I think sometimes a delayed reaction would be a good thing in my life, a little space between what happens and how I act wouldn't hurt that bad you know, sometimes. Because I'm quick on my feet, but that works against me because sometimes I'm quick on my feet, and so I get myself into situations before I've had the chance to think about them. And that's probably why I love this scripture where Peter is saying, be alert and sober-minded and, and get ready for the devil because he's, he's coming for you. Um, that's just the fact of it, you know. And there is no amount of preaching in the world that can prevent the enemy's attack in your life. Um, specifically, there is a suffering that we all must endure. But two things I want you to know about this suffering before we get really into this message today is that number one, this scripture suggests that whatever suffering you're going through, it's only for now. It's only for now. Say that out loud. It's only for now. Put it in the chat, please. It's only for now. Tell your neighbor, it's only for now. That's number one. And number two, it's not for nothing. 
Did you feel that when I said it? Somebody's under attack in this room right now. It was a battle for you to even get to church because of what you've been dealing with. And two things about this suffering that the scripture says it's only for now and it's not for nothing. It's a productive kind of suffering, not the stupid kind of suffering that you do when you're stubborn. You know, when you hit yourself with the hammer and hit yourself with the hammer again and ask God to take the swelling down. But this is a type of suffering that he's talking about that is common and that it's that it's actually come for a reason. Now, one of the things um, that I was talking about last Wednesday, I spoke to my staff Wednesday. And after I spoke to the staff, I spoke to a smaller group of like 20 of the top staff, new staff. And uh, I had a conversation with a young lady because in the staff teaching, I was talking about how you deal with correction. Or specifically, not fighting against things that God is trying to send to help you in your life, which is something I struggle with. And so she had a follow up question after the session that I did with the staff. She said, Well, when you're a fighter and you're sitting there in the moment and somebody's like challenging you or saying something that's really making you go crazy, and that fighter wants to rise up in you and just fight back, how do you in the moment receive? That, that interaction and really process it positively. And I said, I don't. I never process positively in the moment. Almost never. Um, you don't either? But after, after, you know, then that's usually where a lot of my spiritual growth happens is after I screw it up and the Holy Spirit shows me, hey, you screwed that up. Would you like to keep screwing that up? Or would you like to sh sh have me show you how to stop screwing stuff up in your life? And I'm like, well, Lord, it just depends. Like, what am I going to have to do to stop screwing it up? Am I going to have to go back and apologize? And I want you to realize that spiritual growth is not measured by perfection in the moment, but really on your ability to go back after the fact and be correctable by Christ so you don't get frustrated with yourself. I told the staff member who asked me that, I said, just yesterday, just yesterday, this guy honked at me. You know where this is going. And with my elevation sticker on my car, he honked at me and he pulled out in front of me. So let me set this up for you. This fool, this brother, figuring out who I'm talking to today. When he pulls out in front of me, I'm going the speed limit. I'm doing nothing wrong. I mean, nothing wrong. I can't always say that on the road, but in this particular instance, he honks at me and he pulled out in front of me. So, yes, I stopped the car. And yes, I backed up. And yes, I said, Are you good? But I smiled when I said it, and I kept my voice really low. And he said, are you good? And I said, I don't know. That depends. Are you good? Because if you're good, I'm good, but if you're not good, you know. Now, you know, I had to get all the way back to my house 
and try to think, what made me back up and talk to this guy on the road like that? I mean, this guy might be getting baptized Sunday in my church. I don't know this guy. He might be some special forces. He might, he might have something in the glove box that'll make my last Sunday my last Sunday preaching. I don't know any of it. I don't even think about it in the moment. I think about all that after. And then I tracked back and I was like, why was I so tight? Why couldn't I just laugh at this, this uh, blessed tool of the Lord for my sanctification and drive on? I realized what we did right before that was take family Christmas pictures. My wife has me taking the family Christmas pictures now in August. Of course I'm edgy. Who wants to take family Christmas pictures? Even in December, let alone in August. Do you know all the fights that we have been through in family Christmas pictures through the years? Of course, I'm a little edgy. So I'm bringing this up as a humorous example at my own expense to show you how immature I can be, but that I realized that something happened before he pulled out in front of me and honked at me that made me back up in the middle of the road and act like I'm 13. And then sometimes in our own lives, we never take the time after we act a certain way to back up and ask the question, what was it that put me in that frame of mind to act that way? So then we just repeat the behavior over and over again, and the devil just picks our lives apart because we never stop to ask the question. After we act a way we don't want to act, I mean that could have gone much worse. It ended up being a pretty mild story, in my estimation, of how it could have gone. But you know, there are other things in my life that I look at, like times when I am completely unreasonable, and I have to go back sometimes and say, "What was it before that?" I think that's what Peter means when he says in verse eight, "Put it back up. Be alert, sober-minded." To recognize when the enemy attacks you, where you are most vulnerable to his attacks. Because without asking that question, you just kind of repeat the same stuff over and over again. Some of my best growth moments in God have been after my worst performance moments outside of God, where I go back and say, What was it? You ever had something you did where you're like, well, I know it wasn't that that made me act like that, so what was it that made me act like that? What was it that made me so irritated about something that was so insignificant? Why did something so small, like a pebble in my shoe, cause me to walk so crooked? And sometimes when you go back and you look at it, you're like, oh yeah, that's what it was. I actually in the process of taking those family pictures, I think I was very stressed, and I think I was a little sad because I'm sending my son off to college next week. And I'm not going back on all of this to blame it, but so that next time I come up on it, I can beat it. Can I teach this message today? Sometimes when the enemy attacks you, you act like it was a surprise attack. But if you would pay attention to your own life, you could be ready for some of the stuff that comes at you regularly. You can't resist the devil that you're not ready for. 
I'm just getting warmed up. I hadn't even got to my good verse yet. But he said, be alert and sober-minded or clear-headed, one translation would say. Because the devil, the enemy, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So if he can eat you alive with anxiety, he will because he's looking for his lunch. If he can eat you alive with offense, he will because he's looking for his lunch. If he can eat you alive with the memory of something that you did that God has already forgiven, he will because he's looking for his lunch. He is looking for someone who has not taken inventory of their lives to go back and track the times that, you know what? It seems like the enemy always attacks me here, and he always attacks me when. But when you have an unreflective life, when you are just reactive all the time, every attack that happens to you, you are not ready for. You cannot resist it. There is no readiness where there is no reflection. I want to get better and better and better in my life, not at blaming stuff that happened, but going like, hey, what was it that put me in that state that I wasn't ready for that, and how next time when I'm going into that situation can I be a little more ready for it? Sometimes God will uncover really weird stuff for you. Like this, I'll give you an example. When I get really hyped up before I preach, it's a setup for me to be disappointed if you're not hyped up when I start preaching. But here's what happened. I pulled into a private space today. You had to drive through some uh, traffic and people and stuff like that. I didn't have to bring any kids to church today. Holly did all that. So of course I'm ready. I didn't have to get anybody dressed, anybody in the car on time. I didn't have anybody come for but myself. Only person I had to make sure had his clothes on and shoes on and showered up was me. So I'm in a good mood. But what if you're not? So I realized that like I got to be ready when I come out here to preach that you might not be ready to listen yet. Because if I'm not, then when the discouragement comes, when I'm like, oh no, they don't look like they're really into this. Well, they're into it, but it's just like a cold plunge for them. Like They just got to get settled into it. Let them sit there a minute. You know, I asked God one time, because when people yawn when I'm preaching, that really sets me off. Like, really sets me off. If you ever notice in my sermon where I take a sharp turn and it gets really, really rough all of a sudden, like really mean or like condemnation, I start talking about hell and, and judgment and stuff like that, I probably saw somebody yawn. That's probably what just happened. And I, I remember something, even this week I was thinking about this because in psychology they call it triggers and you know different things. To, it could be a smell, it could be a sight, it could be a sound, it could be a lot of different things. But I remembered that there was one boy when I was first learning to teach the Bible, and he would full on yawn, not like yawn like he was trying to hide it, but he would full on stretch back yawn. His shirt would stretch up over his belly. I had to look at his belly, his open mouth, his open abdomen, and all this stuff. And that was when I was first learning to preach. And I realized that that kid was right in front of me when I was first learning to teach the Bible. I'm not going to say his name, but he, was, he would yawn while I was preaching the Bible. And so to this day, if I see somebody yawn, it actually sets me in a place where I feel like a beginning preacher. Isn't that weird? Or maybe I just need more therapy. But, but even recognizing that, it gives me a moment to know, oh, that guy yawning. He, he might have worked third shift. 
He might be tired because maybe he's visiting somebody in the nursing or or he stayed up all night playing video games. But it's not mine to judge. But if I recognize that that puts me in a bad place, then I can be ready, watch this, to respond rather than to react. And to resist the temptation before I attack before before I'm attacked. Because faith does not give you the ability to prevent the enemy's attack. I wish it did. I wish that by faith we could rebuke every panic attack in the room, every financial attack in the room, every attack on your physical body in the room. If I had the power to do it, I would do it. I would love to do it for you, but there is nothing in 1 Peter 5.8 or any of the rest of the Bible that suggests that at will we can just rebuke the devil's attack and prevent the devil's attack, but we can plan for what you're going to do the next time he does attack. That's why Peter called him a roaring lion. Before he ever comes to devour you, there's always a roar. Do you recognize him when he roars? Or do we live lives that never reflect and say, why do I keep ending up in this situation? Why is the devil always picking on me? Why am I always in this bad relational pattern? Why are people always never coming to my aid? And why am I never, you know, it's always this thing of blaming it. Or do we want to beat it and resist it and get stronger from it? I think it would be easier to resist temptation if the consequences were immediate of the sin. I think that would be really easy to resist. I think even overeating, if the bad stuff happened while you ate. No, I'm serious. If, 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 if the cellulite grew as you chewed, you stopped chewing. <laughs> you ever notice how the benefits of discipline are delayed? And the payoffs of donuts are immediate. I mean, a quick, sweet relief, a glazed relief, and a. <laughs> I'm getting hungry, y'all. I fast before I preach, but but there's 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 there is a hidden expense to sin, and a quick hit for sin. And there is a hidden benefit of discipline that doesn't kick in quick, but you'll be glad you did it after. I used to always say I could do crunches if my abs would pop, 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 pop while I crunched. When I crunch on a Frito, if I could crunch on a Frito and the fat would pop, I could stop with the Fritos. But it is the delay that gets me trapped. The consequence comes. After, after, somebody shout after. It's the most amazing thing what the devil will hide from you when he tempts you. It's an amazing thing what he'll bait that hook with that you don't see when you bite. It is not until after you are hooked that this isn't so fun anymore. 
It's not until after you can't get rid of the habit that you wish you had found a healthier way to deal with your emotions. And this is why we must teach in church not only the deliverance of the Holy Spirit, but the disciplines of the grace of God so that we can help people make decisions today that they will be glad for after. I want you to pray to God after you fail, but I also want you to pray to God before you fail so that maybe he can spare you some of the pain that you could put something in his hands before you get caught in it so that God could spare you from some of the wasted years. And This is not even in my notes, but I just feel like I need to go off for a minute and say, sometimes we create our own suffering because of shortcuts that we take because of how we want to feel right now. But I heard a wise preacher say, never give up what you want most for what you want now. Because there are some things you want to be in the future that are going to require some adjustments to what you need to do right now. Even some of the scriptures that you hear and some of the messages that you hear that will challenge you the most, will help you the most after. Now, I want in my life not only to get better at tracking back and noticing what happens in those moments where I feel under attack. I mean, if, if you will look at your life, and I did it this week, you'll find patterns of this is the times where the enemy attacks me that if I build some different things into these rhythms of my life, I can be more ready. And I think our rhythms and our readiness go hand in hand. The rhythm of your life cannot be marked by isolation and still be flowing in victory. The rhythm of your life cannot be marked by constant chronic complaining and still have an outcome of overflowing joy. And the enemy is, look at this phrase, he's looking for someone to devour. He's looking for someone who's not paying attention. He's looking for someone who just took family pictures and is just a little thankful for their family and just a little bit triggered by the whole experience because it really went good. Everybody was good. I don't even know why I was in a bad mood. It went great. The photographers were great. It was happy. It's just something about it. And, and then I look at it and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Next year when we take family pictures, I am not going to back up my car and almost fight any rednecks, okay? Next year. No, no, no. Next time. Next time I find myself susceptible, I am going to feed my spirit and talk to myself and be a little bit more ready for that. And all of that you can do if you will just take some time in your life and especially do it after your only two times you need to do this, after you win and after you lose. When you win over a victory, say, "What was it that got me ready for that?" Y'all, I got certain friends that I found out when I talk to them, I win more. You got anybody like that in your life? Now let me turn around so you can have a private moment. I have other friends who, when I talk to them and spend time with them, it puts me in this spin cycle, and I don't know why, but I end up more cynical on the other side. Pay attention to all of that. 
Because sometimes in your life you'll notice, oh, when this happens, it is the consequence of something that came before it. And a lot of times that is a relational consequence of who you are spending the most time around. Here's another thing about since you asked me about Instagram. Sometimes you feel sick to your stomach, but it's not your stomach. It's what you scrolled through 15 minutes ago that made you judge something, feel something, see something that triggered a response in you. But at the moment that it was triggered, it didn't show up. It doesn't show up in the moment that you see it. It shows up after. after. If the moment you were looking at this stuff, you were like, this is making me more judgmental and less content, and this is causing me to kill my own appreciation for my own life and only aspire to things that aren't even part of my calling. If you thought that while you were looking at it, you would stop looking at it. But the devil hides the hook. The devil hides the hook. The devil hides the hook. Somebody say, the devil hides the hook. Now touch somebody and say, stop biting. How many times… Is he going to have to reel you in before you resist him, before you can see it coming and say, no, I'm not even going to take the bait. I don't even get paid to argue with you. I don't even, nobody is, nobody is worth that in my life. I'm not coming down there for this anymore because if you don't see it, he will eat you alive. He's looking for someone to devour. And the one he can devour the most is the one who is vulnerable and doesn't know it. When you know you're vulnerable, it gives you an opportunity to be vigilant. When you know where you're vulnerable. And so this great apostle writes a letter to the church that's being persecuted somewhere between AD 60 and 70, and he's writing to them about their sufferings in their time, but it also applies to ours. He says, Be alert. And sober minded, because the enemy is looking for someone to devour. Is it you? Is it you? Have you trained him that anytime he tries, that you'll lie down and go with it? That anytime he takes you down that dark path, all he has to do is lure you out there? Is it you? Is it you that every time he can even suggest an anxious thought to you, the enemy can get you to go down so deep in it that it's going to take you three days to recover? Is it you? That if he can make you a little uncomfortable about something, you will reach for something to feel instant relief that is going to bring you an after effect that's going to cause you to be in captivity? Is it you? Is it you? If you're not paying attention to the patterns in your life, you are easy prey for the enemy. You've got to get into spirit-led reflection, where the Holy Spirit takes you back through your day and shows you ways that you can handle things next time. Not so you can blame what happened in your day or in your life, but so that you can beat it next time. Because there will be a next time. There will be a next time. If the devil hadn't messed with you, good news. You can practice this message very soon. He'll mess with you again. You're like, I don't really know. He's just been leaving me alone. I don't really need this message. 
this message right there. Like, don't put it in the fridge because it's just you gonna need it. You can leave it right there. It's gonna be right there soon. He's looking for someone to devour. He's looking for somebody. Somebody who's vulnerable. You gotta ask the question, don't you? What came before this attack that caused me to be in a vulnerable position? That's a great question to ask. And the more you ask it, I believe the more that God will show you and give you an awareness and an alertness. Because you can't prevent the attack, but you can plan for it after. I don't usually respond right in the moment, but it's when I go back and ask the question, God, what do you want me to see about that that I can know next time? And that's how I grow. It's not fancy. I know it's not amazing. It's not sexy. But it's what Peter said. He said, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone. Who's he looking for? Someone. Someone he can devour. And you got to ask the question, don't you? If the enemy is attacking me right now, how is he attacking me? When does he tend to attack me? I want to be alert to this. I don't want to be ignorant of his schemes. When does he attack me? How does he attack me? What are those access points where I let him get to me? What are the things? And that is a valid question, and we have to ask it or we'll keep repeating the same patterns. But there's another question I want you to start asking. And I want you to ask this question right after you ask, where is the enemy attacking me? Because you could mention a few areas today. I know you could. If we passed the mic around and you were honest and weren't scared of being judged, you could name a few places he attacks you. They might be some areas that are more socially acceptable, or they might be some areas that cause shame. But you could ask, answer the question, and if I asked it, where is it that the enemy attacks you, and what usually comes before it that causes you to give in to it? that makes you weak for it. What is that? But there's another question that, that I want you to learn to ask, and I think this is also very powerful. If the enemy is attacking you as much as he's attacking you in your life, I want to ask the question, what is it about you that he knows that is causing him to attack you like that? If he's looking for someone to devour and he's picking on you, then what is it about you that causes you to be a target? In other words, how many of you feel like the devil has just really been after you or someone that you love in this last season? And this is not a trick question. I really want to see who to aim this spit at when I preach it. I want to know if the enemy is attacking you like that. What is he after? What is it that God has inside of you that may even be unknown to you right now that he sees about your future that is causing him to fight you so hard like that? What is this spirit of heaviness that's been on you lately really about? See, because I know on the surface we tell ourselves, well, 
The reason I'm depressed is because I just suck because I'm not much because I don't have the resilience. I don't have the fortitude. I don't have the moral character. That's why I'm dealing with this insecurity. Is it? Is that why you're dealing with the insecurity because you're really a nobody? Or is the devil looking for someone? Someone who has something something that they don't see the true value of yet so that he can catch you in your vulnerability so that you never see your true value so that you never do what God gave you to do in the earth. What's he after? What's he after? If you've been discouraged, really discouraged and downing your soul lately and you've been thinking that must mean that my best is behind me, is that really true? Or is there something? I'm just curious. Is there something so significant in the next stage of your life and you can't see it? But maybe the enemy has more vision for your life than you do because he sees something that's in you in a seed form. And if it ever comes forth, if it ever gets watered, if it ever gets light, if it ever gets full grown, it's going to spread out and bear fruit and touch lives and change the world. What's he after? Get real good at answering how the enemy's attacking. Well, he give me these headaches. Well, he's giving me these problems on my job. Well, he's surrounding me with these people. Well, nobody gives me credit. Okay, we can focus on how he's attacking you, or we can spend a minute and think about why. What is he after? In my life, the greatest seasons of temptation to quit were just before the most significant moments of breakthrough. I came to prophesy to somebody today. I don't care what it's been before. I didn't come to preach about the God that you knew before. I didn't come to preach about the time you wasted last year. I didn't come to preach about how your week went last week. It's Sunday morning, and I came with a message about the God of after. It's just a question. Ask your neighbor, what's he after? What's what's he after? Because the enemy doesn't have unlimited artillery. So if he's coming at you and he's shooting at you, that must mean you have something that he wants. That must mean that you have something of value. I've been to about 10 Carolina Panthers games since I lived in Charlotte. Nobody ever tackled me. I guess I didn't have anything they wanted. I bet if I had that ball and I was on that field and I was headed towards something that could actually inflict damage on the opponent, I'd get tackled. I'd get hit. Some of us aren't getting hit because we're not headed toward anything. But if you're headed towards something, I need three people in a band. If you're headed towards something, if you're headed towards something, 
Maybe that's why he's been on your heels. Maybe that's why it's been kind of rough. Maybe that's why it's been kind of rocky. Maybe that's why that storm has been blowing. Because when I get to that storm, I got somebody whose life needs my life. I wonder what he's after. I wonder what you're carrying that you're not even aware of yet. I wonder what you're going to be talking about a year from now that you don't even know how to ask him for yet. It's powerful, y'all. It's powerful. Has that devil been after you? Well, get happy, because that means you have something worth attacking. That means it's not over for you. That means it's a... should have took you out before you heard this sermon because after this word you're back on track you're back in the fight you're back in the hey 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 nah. we should have took a selfie before I started preaching so you could have a before picture. Because <laughs> when you leave this church today, no, no, I got to preach it like God gave it to me. I can't mess it up. I can't mess it up. And the God of all grace, who called you to eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while. Set your timer for a minute, flat tie. Set your timer for a minute. One minute. One minute on the timer. One minute on your phone. One minute on the timer. Somebody say after. 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 Tell me when you got it set for one minute. For one minute. I want one minute. I want one minute. Peter uses a very, very significant phrase. He says, after you have suffered a little while. Somebody say a little while. A little while. How many of you have been suffering for a little while? Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while I've been dealing with this. It's been a while I've been dealing with this. It's been a while that I've felt like this. He still hadn't started his timer yet. He's about to start it in a minute. Sometimes it's prolonged suffering, right? Sometimes you ask the question like, I asked the Lord one time, I read that scripture. It said, in a little while, after you've suffered a little while, I asked God, how long is a little while? So I want one minute on the timer. That's an hour. I need a minute. We have a different definition of a little while. I need the countdown timer, not the count up timer. I need the alarm where it's going to go off in a minute because God gave me something to say to somebody, and I don't know who it is. We got 50 seconds left. Now, not all suffering ends in a short time, but there is a decision that you can make in a moment where you can say, you know what? I have stayed stuck in this season long enough. I have replayed this memory long enough. I have laid down and died 28 long enough. And Peter says that after you have suffered a little while, just a little while, 
It's just a little while. It's only for now. I know it seems like forever when you're going through it, but 10 seconds, 9 seconds, 8 seconds, 7 seconds, 6, 5. Hold on. Be real quiet. Be real quiet. Oh. His ringer's off. You are the worst illustration partner. All right. So since his alarm failed, I need you to help me. I'm gonna need you to help me. Since his ringer was on silent, I'm gonna need you to be the alarm for your neighbor. I'm gonna need you to be the alarm for your neighbor. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. We're getting ready now. We're getting ready now. Because it's been a minute for some of you. It's been a minute since you felt the joy of the Lord. It's been a minute since you've seen yourself in the future. It's been a minute since you've opened yourself up to a new possibility. But I want you to look at your neighbor. When I say three, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, It's been a minute. One, two, three. It's been a minute. But guess what? Look back at them and say, It has been a minute. Tell them it's been kind of hard. I've been crying about it. I've been stressing about it. I got a lot of questions about it. And I'm not expecting a quick fix. But tell them it's been a minute. And this is my after. This is, oh God, my after. This is my after. Watch. No, the problem's not over yet. But my eyes are set. My eyes are set. My eyes are set. This is my after. Not when I'm perfect, but I've suffered enough to know now. That he's the God of who better to teach us this than Peter? Peter. Why would the enemy pick on Peter? He wasn't anything but a fisherman. The devil never attacks what you are right now. He attacks what you're going to be. That's what he's after. Because wait till you see what your kids are going to be. That's what he's after. Wait till you see what they're going to do. That's what he's after. Wait till you see how the grace of God flows through you generationally. That's what he's after. The Bible says. That a righteous man walks in his integrity. You got to see this from Proverbs 27. I saw this. And his children are blessed after him. You didn't get it. Some of the stuff you're fighting right now is not about what you are right now, it's about what's coming after you. Shout after. So even as Peter was warming himself by the fire, denying Christ, even 
as Peter was denying that he even knew Jesus. Even as Peter was doubting that he wanted to be a disciple. The enemy was after him. Because if he can kill Peter and take his faith by the fire, Peter never preaches on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 were saved that day. After the supper, a little while after you suffer, a little while. That's what the attack is about. Stop thinking that the things that you struggle with prove your insignificance. They actually point to your value. So we're going to change the trigger response this week. Something bad starts coming to you as a feeling or a temptation. Oh, there must be something that the enemy is after that I'm meant to do this week. A lot of it, you will never know it while you're in it. That's what your faith is for. That's what your faith is for. We never know how God is using us or what he's doing in the moment. Most specifically, there are some of the things that you will not feel in the moment that you will, by faith, experience in the future if you resist the enemy. Because I'm telling you, I have stood many times to pray with people and preach to people who had little faith and it had been worn down to a nub. And in the moment that we prayed, we experienced nothing resembling the feeling of a breakthrough. We only knew after a little while what God would do. And sometimes trusting Him with that timeline called a little while is the hardest part of all. I was. Um, I was back after preaching a different song. I don't want that one. It was, I don't remember what city, maybe in Denver, that they brought back a, a guy to pray with me, and they said his, his seven-year-old has a… They explained the condition to me. At the time, I didn't really even understand everything they were saying, and I'm not really good at explaining medical things, but they, his brain tissue, the seven-year-old, his brain tissue had extended into a spinal column. And they diagnosed that a few years earlier, but then a cyst developed in the spinal column. So then that was something that would be life threatening, but would be operated on when he was a little bit older. So now they had just taken him in for a scan, and they were going back in two days to get the meeting with the specialist and maybe schedule the surgery. So in the meantime, they came to Elevation Nights. And someone brought them over and said, pray for them, would you? Their, their son is having surgery. And I said, I will. And I learned as much as I could learn in that short time and pray. I don't even really remember praying the prayer, 
But the dad that I prayed for, he just last week told me the end of this story that I didn't know. He said, um, when you prayed for us back there, he said, I did not even want for you to pray for me. It made me angry that you were praying because you didn't know our situation. And how dare you say a prayer that God would heal our child when you don't even know the situation? And he said, But whatever little bit of faith was left in me and whatever faith was in my wife, it kicked a little bit when you prayed. Two days later, we went to our appointment, and the doctor brought the scan. The specialist said, um, So when did you have the surgery? He said, we haven't had the surgery. That's why we're here to talk to you about possibly scheduling the surgery, but we need to see the scan. And he held up the scan. And he held up the scan from the cyst. And then he held up the scan from a few days ago. And he said, this one, this one, this is the one of what it would, should look like if there were a perfectly executed surgery. This is what it would look like. This. If it were a perfectly executed surgery, this is what the picture would look like. And he told me I didn't even want you to pray for me. And I didn't really feel anything when you prayed. But when we went back, after, I know you don't even feel like praying about that thing anymore sometimes. I know you don't really feel like going and trying to get this thing under control one more time. And I'm not saying that everybody with the disease can expect a different report next week. I don't have the power to say that, but I can tell you this. He's the God of all grace. He's the God of all grace. So if you need a healing and he gives you the grace for healing, that's wonderful. But if he gives you the grace to endure the suffering, that's wonderful too. He's the God of all grace, and he's the God of after. No matter how many times Peter denied Christ, it could not outrun the revelation that he had. You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Has the enemy been attacking your mind lately? He is after the ideas that God is going to give you in the future to make this world so much more like heaven on earth. That's what he's after. Now, faith is standing right in the middle of it, even as you don't know how long a little while may be, and knowing that after this, there will be more grace. It's not over for you. God is not through with you.
Father, as I have released your word today, I have sensed virtue going forth and flowing to your people. There are specific situations, specific names and needs, diagnoses. There is a very certain thing that you wanted to say to somebody today, and I pray that you have echoed that. Now I ask God that your Holy Spirit would make the direct application so that it can go down deep into their soul. Lord, they may never know what comes after this season of struggle if they don't stand firm, but if they can make it through this, then the God of all grace, who has called them to eternal glory after they have suffered a little while, will himself make them strong. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and if you did, make sure to share it and subscribe so we can get you all of these new messages as soon as they're available. I also want to take a moment and thank all of you who are a part of Elevation. Whether you support us financially or serve with us or just share these messages, it's because of you that we're able to reach people all around the world. And if you want more information on how to be a part of Elevation, click the link in the description. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to leave a review, share the message, and subscribe. God bless you. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Got menopause? We've got you. Hi, Jackie here, founder of ExoJackie. Feel supported throughout your menopause journey and beyond with our organic protein powders and symptom relief boosts. Formulated to keep bones and muscles strong, ExoJackie products help reduce bloating, hot flashes, and weight gain. Enjoy 20% off with promo code EXOPODCAST. Shop now at exojacqi.com. Made for women by women. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.